Welcome to Mock Footage. I really like movies. I do too, but I haven't seen too many. And that's why we're going to watch a bunch together. We'll make sure to keep it swear-free for Grandma. Definitely, and we will be talking about major plot details, so consider this your spoiler warning. Oh, I wonder what we're going to watch this week. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just did. I was gonna off, start singing "Circle of Life." <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> what's what's up, Ray? Hey, Ray. What's hey? Hi, everyone. My name is Joseph Lingwa, and this <laughs> week we will be watching the film "Up." Hi, my name is Ray Hiroso, and I I didn't answer your question of what's up, but we have to do this opening first before I can tell you what's up. Yeah, tell me what's up. Up is a Disney film featuring an old grumpy man named Leonard who goes on a wild adventure with a Boy Scout named Little Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, as per most Disney movies, this has a sad opening where Leonard's we see Leonard's life and he gets married and it's happy and then his wife dies and then time skip forward to Leonard being an annoying boy scout and then balloons happen on the house and wait. then they end up on an island uh-huh wait his wife dies and then time skips forward to him being an annoying boy scout no no sorry did i say leonard i meant little terry oh okay 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 little sorry little terry is an annoying boy scout who bothers leonard and through uh, Leonard's desire for adventure, he... Uh, God, I've, I chose two L names, and this is the worst thing I could have done. Wait, who? Little. Oh, okay. <laughs> little Terry. Sorry. So you're going to refuse to call him just Terry. Got it. It's Little Terry. It's little I'm Terry. Sorry. Um, little Terry a- activates big balloon time on leonard's house how what there, do you mean a, hello what, what so, are you, that's ridiculous what do you mean leonard spent like two months after his wife's death death putting balloons contraption in his house <laughs> You're, this is nonsense <laughs> it's disney <laughs> it's basically a hot air balloon house but with lots of balloons okay um and little Terry does this on accident and they end up on an island where they befriend a very cool bird named Coco. Is the island on Earth? Yes. Where? In the Bermuda Triangle. Ooh, okay. Alright, I like that. Yeah. And they meet a bird named named Coco, or do they name it Coco? Named Coco, because the bird talks to the them, bird talks, which okay. is strange. Yes. Because animals do not talk in this specific it's universe. It's a Bermuda birdie. It's a Bermuda birdie, correct. Bermuda birdie Coco. Uh-huh. You know, Bermuda birdie Coco from Up? Yeah. That iconic bird? Yeah. Anyway. Um, Bermuda birdie Coco was like on every YouTuber's top five birds <laughs> video from 2013 or whenever. I'm sorry, most YouTubers weren't cool enough to look at birds. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone that had a bird video, which, like, not enough. Hey, YouTube, like, get on the bird videos. Come on. Thank you. Anyway, um, the the rest of the movie revolves around them trying to gather enough materials 
to make balloons again okay. so they can leave the island and get back home. Okay, okay, because the the balloons were released by accident. So, so let me get this straight. Like Leonard had the balloons ready to go so that he could launch into adventure, and he was like yes. working on them. And then Lil Terry comes by to annoy Leonard, mm-hmm. um, and accidentally because he's irritating, prematurely releases the balloon current contraption. So Cor- it goes correct. on an incorrect trajectory or just unpredictable like path and they they run out of balloon juice and land in the Bermuda Triangle where they try to gather resources much like Ark Survival uh, to create more <laughs> balloons <laughs> with the help of Coco the Bermuda Birdie uh, so that they can get back home. Where's home? Um, Pittsburgh. Suburbs of Pittsburgh. Okay, Pittsburgh. Are there any other characters in this movie? Are there? Is there any threat in the Bermuda Triangle? Do they succeed in getting their balloons? They succeed in getting the balloons. The biggest threat is nature and the, the animals of prey, which include a big dinosaur in the Bermuda, of course. Okay. Um... A, a, a big a big gorilla also mm-hmm. who steal so it's an homage to, to the original donkey donkey kong um the the big gorilla steals little terry and leonard has to do some jumps mm, over some I see. some some barrels cool there's barrels in the Bermuda triangle the gorilla generates barrels with its magic they're I, they're uh-huh. in the Bermuda triangle and this is a this is a Western film. Are there like plane wrecks or stuff? Are around? you trying to make me say the smoke monster from Lost is I, in this movie? Listen, Lost does not take place in the Bermuda Triangle. But... After watching four seasons of Lost and not remembering any of it, how do you expect <laughs> me to remember that? The only thing I remember from Lost is uh, Tom Sawyer. Is was that his name? <laughs> yes, I think Sawyer. It's just Sawyer. It's just Sawyer. All I remember is is Emily de, de Raven Raven. I don't know how to say her name. Being the coolest character. Is there a smoke monster in Up? Yes, but it's only referenced by Coco. Okay, so Coco. Okay, so Coco goes into like a hazy state and like talks about the island and like offhandedly mentions a smoke monster. Yeah, so I want to know more about Coco because they seem like a really interesting character. How does Coco? like meet up like they probably presumably are disturbed by the pre the presence of like let me get this straight the ho- the house the house the entire house okay lands on the island and maybe coco goes to investigate or, or what's the deal why does coco decide to they help land them? on coco's nest oh they land on coco's nest yes okay and coco is mad but thankfully little terry knows how to build nests very quickly and it's fine. And Coco decides to help them. How big is Coco? Like flamingo sized. Okay. What? Okay. Tell me. Tell me more. <laughs> tell me more about so, Coco. You seem so invested. I I, um, I love this bird. Your face turned into. Tell me more about Coco, please. Yeah. Um. So Coco gets over the anger and decides to help them. Tells them about a place where they can find latex, natural latex. Oh. Okay. For the balloons. Um, and along that adventure, we learn more about Coco, who has been alive for centuries. Mm-hmm. 
uh, is the last of their kind, but isn't bothered by it. They're a very happy-go-lucky bird. So um, they had a nest, but it was empty the whole time? Yes. Like, they were off, like, foraging. Okay. While... So the nest uh, is just the their crib. Sleep. It's not like Yeah, a... that's just where they sleep. Cool. Um, what about the doggy? You mean Max, the doggy? <laughs> the doggy I live with? <laughs> I forgot. Um, Max, the dog who definitely dies in this movie. <laughs> Unfortunately, Max, the good boy dog, dies protecting Leonard from a, a log. Was Max the- there the whole time? Uh, we meet Max about halfway. So Max through. was just on the island. Max was on the island. Okay. Yes. And and protects him from a log? From a log that's crashing down in a waterfall. Okay. You know how logs fall down waterfalls mm-hmm. sometimes? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you're there at the bottom of the waterfall. Yes. And you don't notice the log crashing down. Correct. And so a dog has to save you by sacrificing his life. Yeah. It feels like, to me, Mm -hmm. this movie had a lot of really good, interesting ideas and then didn't really deliver on any of them. Like, like, you know, they get get thrust into this adventure early and then they make balloons and go back home. And like, like the idea of Coco's nest being empty and them landing in it. And then Coco's mad at them about it. Like, it feels like there could be more to Coco's characterization of, of instantly engaging into mother mode of these of these new inhabitants of the island. Well, the thing about it is that a big portion of why the movie is so good is because of... <laughs> Sorry, I just realized I'm spinning a web of lies and uh-huh. it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a moment. Like, and Max, too, you know? Like, you barely mentioned him up to this point, and that's wild to me. Sorry, I don't like thinking about sad things. Yeah. Um, The thing about the movie, and what makes it so great, is that it's the big focus is on Leonard's hesitation to live life to its fullest after the death of his wife. Right. And okay, so so he was, like, preparing for this adventure, but right. it, it seems like he, might, he maybe was never going to pull the trigger. Right, but all these small misadventures kind of lead him to, like, like all these small little interesting things that are sometimes scary, yeah. lead him to remembering that you should still continue your life even after bad things happen to you. Yeah. yeah. I'm about to cry. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, <laughs> let's get into the movie, I guess. I, I don't really... That seems like a really good way of, of ending the first half of this episode. Um, I do want to ask you what your favorite line from the movie is. Um, my favorite line from this movie is by Leonard, who says, Max was a good doggy, but it's before Max dies, and he's just, like, there, just kind of, like, sitting next to him. And it's like this weird prophetic event that suggests Max is going to die. And you're like, they're not going to do that. And then Max dies like 10 minutes later. Whoa, that's weird. That's weird. That's a really weird thing to have in any movie, let alone a Disney movie. 
Yeah. Disney this, movies are dark, bud. Are there any other... I, I gotta I gotta ask, are there any other, like, hints that Leonard has some kind of... From co- chronophagia? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's sad? Is that the answer is yes, and he knew his wife was gonna die? But decided to ignore that. Oh, okay. But that was a decision they made together, and it's very yeah. beautiful and sad. But this is well, speaking of beautiful and sad, I think it's time we start watching the movie. So let's go cry into some popcorn. It's salty. It's salty now. <laughs> <laughs> Can I change my favorite line to "It's salty now"? It's salty now. Ray, I've been crying. Yeah, I know. I can hear the <laughs> sniffles at every time. I I'm am... like, oh, me too, bud. Uh, hi, hey, Ray. What's up? How you feeling? <laughs> hey, How you doing? Hi, Joe. What? Hey, hi. Ray. What's up? Ups an, emo- an emotionally impactful film about a man who learns to let go of the past and also find yeah. new meaning in life. Um, <laughs> I... Just right off the bat, I, I think I might have mentioned it in the first half. I had, like, lukewarm memories of this movie. I remember really liking the beginning when they establish the Sadness. tragedy of a happy life. <laughs> um, Carl loses his his wife, Ellie, and then uh, has to go on a new adventure or whatever. And then I remember not liking the rest of the movie so much because it's silly kid stuff. It's a little kid who's annoying. It's... Is he? A big, silly cartoon bird, and it's a dog that... It's a silly dog with a talking collar. And yeah. Is he silly? But like... But like, that that was my memory of it, and I feel differently about it now. I just want to say that I, I think... I'm not a dog person, and there's a lot of dog humor in the movie, and I think less of it hit me in a good way the last time. I, well, I, just, I think that was my biggest hang-up, if I'm being honest. Was, was the dogs. <laughs> was the dogs. There were too many dog jokes, and I still feel that way on this watch, but more of them were good for me this time. But there's a lot of physical humor with the dogs in this movie, and yes. it's, I think we're both thinking <laughs> of one specifically. Uh, well, we'll, we'll get We'll get it. there. I'm... Um, my thoughts on Up, real quick. Yeah, I, hit me, hit me. Disney Pixar did it again. Say I, We say this every time we do a Disney movie. Believe what you will about Disney. They make good movies. And this one is kind of up there for me yeah. at the moment. It did not have to go that hard, is the thing. Yeah. The movie kind of went hard. It really did, and... What I love about it is that it doesn't really feel like it... I mean, in the, the premise and, like, the the actual action of the movie, like, yes, it's very fantastical and wild. It's this crazy adventure. But in the moments where it goes the hardest, it doesn't really feel like it's trying too hard to do so. It's just keeping it real and They're it just hurts. small <laughs> moments of honesty, and yeah. that's what hits the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> so... Here's the plot, as provided by Google Plot Synopsis. Thank you, Google Plot Synopsis. Uh, Carl Fredrickson, a 78-year-old balloon salesman, is about to fulfill a lifelong dream. Tying thousands of balloons to his house, he flies away to South American wilderness. But curmudgeonly, Carl's worst nightmare comes true when he discovers a little boy named Russell as a stowaway aboard the balloon-powered house. That's a terrible plot synopsis. But um, that's because... like what we got from the trailers. 
Right. Well, yeah, yeah. So much about this, so much of this movie is about Carl dealing with the loss of his wife, Ellie. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first 10 minutes of the movie just establishes their character. Like, the first first 10 10 minutes minutes of this movie movie is a movie. Yeah, it's a a Pixar animated short, right? Like, it shows Carl as a little kid. It shows him meet Ellie and them grow up together and get married. And they want kids and they find out they can't have kids and they continue to... Yeah, go on. I can't. <laughs> go on, Joe. I did want to point out before I forget <laughs> that Carl's seventy-eight. Apparently, I thought he was a little bit younger in this movie. Yeah. Um, but he one of the the first scene is him in a movie theater watching this film about his adventure hero Charles Muntz, who they later in the movie meet and ends up being a villain. Um because he's obsessed and we'll get into that. But I'm just curious because that means Charles Munz has got to be like almost a hundred. Like what uh-huh. has he been doing there in South America? What has been going on? Well, clearly building dog tech and trying to yes. hunt down bird. Well, he had the it. dog tech. He had the dog tech in the forties or whatever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Honestly, if Carl Munz just decided to like, go off on dog tech and let go of the bird obsession, he would have done fine. It was pride. His whole thing. I don't, not to, not to make this a month's cast, but (laughs) his his whole arc was about pride. He went to South America. He brought back bones. Scientists said these bones are fake. And so he went back. He's like, I'm going to bring back a real thing. And he stayed there for the rest of his life to clear his name. But let it go. And he was right. Yeah, he could have just let it go at any point. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just like really. I should have I should have taken a little bit more time to come down after that. No, movie. it's fine. <laughs> I did just start a new podcast called The Folly of White Men. The first episode is about Carl Muntz. Second episode is about Clayton because they die in very similar ways. We're just gonna talk about white male villains in Disney movies and why they're terrible. I hate this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, okay, so tell me something, Ray. Tell me tell me something about the movie. Tell me about Govan or, or, or about Doug or... Russell is not as annoying as I thought he would be. Yeah, he's not he's as annoying as I He's a very good boy. Him. I think, so another thing is between the first time that I watched this movie and now, I watched the television show Steven Universe. And that <laughs> is, it changed the way that I think of about kid characters mm-hmm. um, and their portrayal in media right exactly in that like in this movie russell is annoying but not in a bad way he's annoying yeah. in a kid way and like you he's just but he's learning. honest he he's says honest. what he's thinking right and and he do- he goes off of his feelings and just does it like yeah a kid who is learning things yeah and when without you know at, at the moments in the movie where carl gets frustrated with him and kind of like is not as much of a guiding force for him, that's when he gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. And when Carl's there and present and watching him, Russell flourishes. Yes. Which also ties into Russell's whole thing with like a dad who isn't present as, as much as he used to be. <laughs> hey, there's a part in the movie where they're sitting on a log and Russell's talking about his father who isn't there, and they used to be very close, but he's so busy with work that he's not around all the time. Uh, and I said, there it is. 
just yeah. out of out of nowhere in reference to what is what is Russell's whole deal? Yeah. Like what 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 is it about this character that is both endearing and tragic? Because I you know it's coming. Yeah, Russell is so sad because he's like the, so bright and so mm. cheery and his whole thing is that he wants to get the assisting the elderly badge so that he can have it pinned onto his chest by his dad. And we find out much later that part of the reason that he's so obsessed with this is because his dad isn't around. And um Meanwhile, Carl is going through losing his wife and, like, having all these memories. He's He brings his whole house with him to South America, including all of this memorabilia and all of these things that remind him of her. The house and... is his literal baggage. Yes. Bro. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> the metaphor. It, it's good. <laughs> it works. <laughs> and um, I was really interested during the whole like first like two thirds of the movie where the house was gonna end up because mm-hmm. it's clearly a metaphor for his attachment to Ellie yeah. and the the potential future and dreams they had together and the fact that it never came to fruition. Yeah. But it did in a way, which is something we want to talk about later. Because I'll yeah. start crying right now if I don't. If I do. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the the action of the movie after Russell and Carl get in the air and fly through a storm. They end up in South America. And uh, they land the house, and they're not in quite the right right spot. Uh, Carl can see across a big chasm where he wants the house to be uh, on Paradise Falls in South America. And so they... Carl sets it up perfectly, <laughs> sets up the, the action of the movie. He's like, we've got three days before all the helium le- leaks out. Let's <laughs> let's get moving. Um, and, of course, things happen along the way to slow them down, and they meet Kevin the bird, they meet Doug the dog, they meet Charles Muntz the supervillain. Uh, <laughs> he's just and by, a guy. He's not a supervillain. He's just a lame dude who he's stinks. He's just a rude guy. He's just a rude dude with a bad attitude. Don't give him that much credit. <laughs> I have um, one game suggestion for you. Game suggestion? Yes. Okay. You got three crazy days to get to the other side of Paradise Falls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got three crazy minutes. That's just for you, Joe. You can cut Thank that. You. No, I, I'm going to keep it in because I love it. That's for me. <laughs> What people what people might not know about this podcast, although I'm sure they do, is that it's for me. <laughs> In case anyone wasn't clear, me telling Joe about the movies I haven't seen is just for Joe. You're all just here for the ride. You just get to, to get a sneak peek into our normal lives. <sighs> Can I talk about Doug? Please do. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Doug's a very good boy. I'm sorry I said Doug died <laughs> in the first half of this. He almost did. Like I swear the dog died. Uh, he didn't. None I... of the dogs died. Probably. No, no. Thank goodness none of the dogs died. But Doug is a good boy. He stands out from the entire dog pack because they don't see him as a threat, as competent. And guess what? He does. He wins and becomes the alpha, and I'm very proud of him. Yeah. He saves the day. He um, He's a golden retriever, which I don't... The, the dog lore is not great. 
I don't know how the only golden retriever got there. Like, the dogs must have been breeding, you know, and maintaining that population that months had. But, uh, like, the dogs keep talking about Russell as as a small mailman, which none of them Just... would have the concept of what a mailman is. They know how to read maps. It's, it's weird. It's... There are a lot of things you just have to say yes, okay, to and move on. The only reason I, like, even get caught up on that a little bit is because the rest of the movie, like, works so well. Like, you can't lift a a house into the sky with a million balloons. Have you tried? But, like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, this is the conceit of the movie. Okay. (laughs) The dog stuff, they're just like, let's... they, They just, like, really wanted to write a lot of dog jokes, and they did a good job with most of them. Yes. I didn't expect as many dogs as as that there as they were a appeared. Lot. It just kept being more. I thought there was just one, but then three villain dogs were introduced, mm-hmm. and then an entire villain pack of dogs was introduced. Yeah. And by villain dogs, I mean they're just following a bad master. Yeah, because like the literally the second that here. Doug takes over as Alpha, they're all like good dogs. You know, like they they they, they were always were good dogs. They just had a bad dude in charge. I okay. Can I have a quick sidebar and talk about the episode of Pokemon, where all the Pokemon are get are separated by their human trainers, and Team Rocket, the villain team's Pokemon, are also with the, the hero the Ash and Friends's Pokemon, and they're like, "Hey, like, why do you? Why are you evil? Why do you follow them?" And they're like, "Well, our masters are bad, so therefore we just follow them." Yeah, and I'm like, "You ever respect?" Arbok and Weezing. <laughs> <laughs> Never just respect those two. Anyway. They're good. Those, Arbok and Weezing, they're good dogs. They're good dogs. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about one specific dog bit that made us both explode into laughter. Yes, please. Which is when, uh, so Charles Muntz at first seems friendly and invites Carl and Russell onto his blimp, the spirit of adventure, which is like basically a mini mansion inside. And all the dogs are his wait staff. Um, and the dog, one of the dogs comes up off like in the bottom of the frame as Muntz is talking to Russell and ex- like doing exposition and offers like a bottle of champagne. And Muntz is like, Oh yeah, that's a good choice. Sure. Like to the dog offhand. And then another dog helps him pull off the cork of the bottle <laughs> and a bunch of fizz falls out of the bottle. And the dog struggles to get some champagne into two of the glasses. He gets like maybe 10 drops into each glass and then just mm-hmm. drops the bottle on the floor. It's so funny. It's please, so funny. Please. If nothing else, look up that scene. Maybe I'll try to find a gif of it. Try for... to gif it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's so funny. It's legitimately like not even a big part of the movie. No. It, yeah. It's, but and it, that's when the dog stuff is the best is when it's kind of like happening at the same time as something else. Yeah. It yeah. was good. It's, that scene alone deserves an award. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It so much of the comedy in this award. movie is so well done. Like, the it's the jokes are so well written, and they land almost every single time. Yes. Um, I know we've been very high energy. Um, gonna, <sighs> gonna Take it down. It, I'm going to okay. reel it back in and say, I love Kevin. She is a queen. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin is the big bird. Yes. I can't decide if I like Kevin or Coco better. <laughs> um, I think it's Kevin in this regard. 
they're I, honestly they're like the same character in my mind. Okay, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Kevin gets a lot of characterization as as a protective mother who also befriends Russell, mm-hmm. but also needs to go back to her children. Meanwhile, Munts is trying to hunt her down. Yeah, as proof that this bird, legendary bird, exists. And honestly, Kevin is not a big part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the scenes introducing Kevin are very good and funny. I yelled about this bird for two minutes straight. The animation for the bird and the things bird can do was fantastic. The bird's so pretty. It's so pretty. But then, like, she's more of, like, a piece of plot to get Carl. She's another thing, yeah. She's another thing pulling Carl in a different direction than where he wants to go. And that's right. That's kind of the biggest thing that... I, I want to talk about, like, for Carl's characterization is that he he wants, once he lands in South America, all he wants, he is single-minded, is to get to the other side of the chasm Mm -hmm. and let the house rest near Paradise Falls. Right. Which has been his dream since day one. And, like, there's a point about halfway through the journey where we hear Kevin's baby's calling, Kevin needs to go in another direction, and Russell says, we need to go help her, and Carl says, no. Like and Carl's like trying to ditch Kevin and Doug for like the whole time, um, and and Carl says no. He doesn't even really seem that hung up about it. And then they end up going that way anyway because they get cornered by the other dogs, and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like, Carl isn't making the choice to do the right thing here. He's right. kind of shuffled into it, and he doesn't really get to that point of turning around. Like there's a few times that he hesitates. Um, there's a couple of times where he like like. He realizes that months might be kind of creepy, but he doesn't do anything to stop months until it's kind of too late. Um, and yeah. he doesn't really turn around and turn into a hero until after he gets what he wants, which is let, letting the house sit near Paradise Falls and then realizing that he doesn't want it anymore, which is good. It was like a really powerful yeah. scene when he's like, I need to go get Russell back. He goes into the house after it's been jostled around and all of this stuff is just strewn about. There's like everything's gray and he starts throwing out the furniture and eventually realizing like this is this house, that part of my life is over and he has to literally let go of all of his things in the house and then it, mm-hmm. the house itself in order to continue the his adventure continue the next chapter of his life where he is going to be friends with russell and save kevin and save doug and all that stuff but to me it's an important point that he doesn't get there until after he gets what he wants and then realizes it it wasn't worth it well you know why it's so a part of why it's so bittersweet for him and he realizes it's not what he wants is because kevin gets taken because he decides to hold on to the house the Kevin or Russ? Oh, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin gets captured by Munts. Munts sets the house on fire. And instead of trying to free Kevin from Annette. Right. Uh, he goes Carl to save the decides house. to save the house instead. Again. Yeah. Again, he doesn't make the right choice, really. Like, mm-hmm. in, in, until after the fact. Until he's right. kind of, you know, turned his back on this his companions yeah. multiple times. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not until that. And it's immediately after that that he finally gets the house to the spot where he wants. Mm-hmm. And Ru- Russell says, you know what? I'm going to go save Kevin myself. Yeah. 
And Carl and Carl's realizes... like, you're gonna die. <laughs> That's not a good idea. And I actually care about you. Oh, it's good. It's a good, it's a good moment. It is a good moment. Um... I just think that there it's it's a, it's an interesting question like cuz cuz Kevin not not so much Kevin but Kevin by extension of Russell and Russell and Doug are all kind to Carl like yeah. consistently and that is very rarely returned until after that point until right um after Carl has done like he stayed single minded and he never really even hesitated. He hesitated for a moment with Kevin, but he never even really thought about like going to help her babies or anything like that. Like Right. And that kind of bugged me. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying it's bad for the movie. I'm just saying that like like how much is a person how much should you give a person? How much how much kindness should a person be owed before you realize that they're not going to change. Like, it's a good thing that Carl did change his ways, but there was no real indication that he would have. Yeah. Well, the thing about relationships, and now we're just going off on a full tangent, and that's fine. The thing about relationships is that you have to figure it out together, Mm -hmm. and that's not something that was, like, spoken and communicated between Carl and the rest of the group. A lot of it was internal. Yeah. For him, and if Russell decided that they were done, then they're done. But Carl decided to come back even after, you know, the after the critical turn in the movie. But that at that point, that's it's up to Russell to decide whether or not okay, Carl deserves a second chance. Yeah, or not, right? Yeah. The thing about relationships is that you need to communicate these things, and because there was so much action in between we didn't get a chance for them to reconcile with their words, but with their actions instead. Yeah. I think that the friction for me is coming from the fact that Carl, the trajectory of Carl's character was that after Ellie died, he was bitter and he never really yeah. came out of that shell very much at all until after he decided to let everything go. But there's, you know, every reasonable, we had every reasonable expectation that he would have, he would have just stayed at at that place. He, he would have been like, I got what I wanted, and now I'm going to be a curmudgeonly old alone man here at the top of Paradise Falls. Right. Um, and I'm I'm really glad that's not how the movie ended, but, you know. Well, there's that one final push from Ellie. From Ellie, the, yeah, that's in true. In the album where I did cry a lot yeah. that said, after he goes through the first parts of Ellie's book, and then... It's the things I want to do section. And I don't know if he's never looked past that or not. Yeah, clearly he hadn't. Or like maybe it's in a new light for him now Mm -hmm. after her passing. He notices something that he hadn't seen before, which is the note from Ellie. Yes, which says, thank you for the adventure. Now go have a new one. And (laughs) I did cry a lot. And he's like, oh, I am on a new adventure, realizing Everything is already happening, and he's been so tied down right. from everything and what happened to him and Ellie that he didn't see that Russell and Doug and Kevin were right there, ready for a new adventure with him. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I was crying for almost the entirety of this movie. When I wasn't laughing, I was crying. <laughs> I was going to do a sniffle counter, but I didn't know if you were just cold or no. if you were crying. <laughs> it was it was all crying. I, I kept trying to mute myself so it wouldn't be distracting, but a lot of through. You don't have through. to mute yourself through your crying for me. <laughs> it's all good. Is there any else, anything else that you want to talk I about? I love here? Ellie. Yeah, at least such I a don't... good character, and she's dead for most of the movie. And I'm like, big motivating factor is fridging the woman, and I'm like, you yeah. know, mm, yeah. uh, just a little, how much invested man pain am I going to go through today? <sighs> That's you know? fair. But I, it wasn't like annoyingly bad, and it, it's tough. Right. This is like, the kind of thing, yeah, this is the kind of thing where, like, I don't think that this, I think that this story is a good story. And exactly. I think you bring that up, and it is a problem, fridging the woman, because it's already a problem, because it's already a trope. Right. Um, I don't think that this movie, isolated from that greater trend, I would have any problems with it. Right. Um, I, you know, I, like, it's something that I usually keep my head on a swivel for. And I do remember, like, thinking that in the beginning of the movie. But by the end of it, I was just like, you know, like, people get old and they lose their spouses. Like, that, that is a thing that happens. I think what, what's, why it's not such a problem for me is that Carl finds happiness not with another woman, but a new friendship with yeah. Russell yeah. and Doug. And that that is like on equal levels of a romantic relationship in this movie. Yeah. And I think that's why I have less of a problem with it, but I still think it's worth mentioning that it did yeah. happen still. Also, good job equating that, Disney. Good job. Proud of you. <laughs> and he's able to let go of all of the stuff that tied him to Ellie without letting go of Ellie. He still has that he still yep. has that grape soda pin that she gave the him Ellie when they badge. first met. And he gives it to Russell instead of the assisting the living. And the that was telegraphed. Assistant. Yeah, it was telegraphed the... from a mile away from the be- the like <laughs> the be- very beginning when we first see Russell. Russell, there's this big empty patch on his sash, and we're like, "That's where the pin's gonna go." And, and I said, you "See it? Mm-hmm. You feel that weight the whole What's movie. It? Like it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, even though you know how it's gonna end, like that doesn't it, that in fact increases the weight yes. of it." Uh, there was a point in the movie where I said, oh, uh, Joe can't wait for Carl to be the one to put the grape soda badge yeah. on Russell at the end of the movie. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I still not... cried. Seeing that coming does not take away from it at all. There's been a conversation in my Twitter sphere recently about tropes and subverting mm-hmm. tropes and whether or not that's always good. And I would suggest that doing the trope and not subverting it sometimes can be just as good. Yeah. Because they're tropes for a reason. Yeah. Right? Like, people like them, people expect them. And if it has that impact, don't try to pull the carpet from under me or whatever the saying is. Yeah. Like, I don't need you to give me a plot twist if you can just give me a good, like, resolution. Right. (laughs) Anyway. Um, that's my, right. welcome to Ray's Trope Corner. We don't, we don't need to end the song on a minor chord. Like, you know. You, you could. Can just, you can just resolve the tension. It's fine. <laughs> and I will feel good about it. And I'll be like, ah. Yeah. And that's very much what this movie does. Yes. 
we we saw every major story beat. Like it wasn't like that difficult of a story for us, but the characters and the journey they go through is very good and pleasant. I do also really like the after credit scene where we see uh, Charles Muntz hanging from a tree because of the balloon strings got caught on a tree and he didn't die. Joe, that was the end of Tarzan. <laughs> With the lightning flash and you're like, is that... Clayton's is that, dead? <laughs> did, did Clayton die? Um, all right, I, I think... I think I'm I'm fresh out of things. To I talk have about. one more thing. Hit me. Um, the very end of the movie, post uh, badge ceremony, uh, we get a scene of Russell and and Carl and Doug eating ice cream, just like Russell yeah. uh, narrated. He and his dad used to do, and they're they're naming they're counting off the colors of cars. Yeah. And it's and they're and they're just talking about red and blue cars, and out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, Doug says "gray car," which is the most subtle joke. Yeah, it took in us this both a second to movie. get it. <laughs> but it was so funny. It's really and good. If that's not funny to you, it's because because dogs don't see in color. Yeah, it was very good. There was at least one dog owner on this movie. <laughs> that scene is also connected to what I already know is your and my probably favorite line from this movie. But we'll get to that in a moment. Ray, would you recommend watching Up to somebody who had never seen it before? What's Up? Yeah, yeah I would. Me too. I would rec- rec- recognize. I would recommend this movie. Resounding yes. It's it's a feel good movie that's sad. So like, it's... if you're into bittersweet melancholy happy times, like I am, that's like kind of my whole aesthetic. <laughs> There's something about this Pixar movie. It's a Pixar movie, right? I do not. Yeah. There's something about this Pixar movie that has a level of maturity and sadness that is just like a slight step above most of the other Pixar movies I've seen. There's blood in it twice. There's also blood in it. It's so so dark. And a child gets hit in the face with a hose and there's a red mark. And you're like, is he bleeding? Yeah. But no, there's a, a level of maturity that is just... A small step above the other Pixar movies which we've seen, which I is really wild to say because I think that my initial like pushback on this movie that was that it was too immature. I thought that all this stuff with with Russell and with like the bird loving chocolate and the dog, I thought all that stuff was too silly, and I was. I was in college, you know, I was <laughs> maybe you were <laughs> immature, Joe. No, exa- I 100% was like, that's, that's my point. Like you're, you're absolutely right. I think that this, this level or this movie does have a level of maturity above a cut above the rest. Um, and that is part of what makes it so worthwhile. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter at mock footage. <laughs> <laughs> sorry we've already been going for a half an hour so we gotta get out of here the first half was very short it's fine (laughs) thank you so much for listening y'all um this was good this was a good time uh good choice ray and uh if you would like to let us know what you think of up do so on twitter at mock footage or you can send an email to mock footage at gmail.com and i'll start checking it again um and uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. Ray, thank you so much for watching this movie with me. 
Thank you for watching Up With Me Joe, and also thank you to Chongo, Ryan Chongo, for letting us use his song Hat of Serenity off of the album Hat Shop as one of our theme songs. Also, thank you so much to Ross Jerson for, for the cool, cool art of us in robes, smoking Bad. jackets. <laughs> one can't be too sure what they are, but thank <laughs> you for that very nice art. Uh, Ray, what was your favorite line from this movie? Um, I know I usually do a goof and a gaff here, uh, mm. but there's a, I, we've talked about the moment where Russell is talking about his father and the things they used to do, including eat ice cream and count cars. And after he recounts this story, there's a beat, he just, there's just a beat. And then he says, I know this may seem boring, but I think the boring stuff is what I remember the most. And you can see that land on Carl's face. And my uh, face and, and my Joe's heart. face. <laughs> and I did cry a lot uh, again. Because it's true. I'm gonna go cry some more. Okay.